Explore Beyond the Stratosphere in Museum of the Bible's compelling exhibition, Scripture and Science, Our Universe, Ourselves, Our Place, in Washington, D.C., open now through January 15th. Featuring artifacts from trailblazers in history like Isaac Newton, Nicholas Copernicus, and hidden figures like Dorothy Vaughn, this exhibit guides you through groundbreaking discoveries and thought-provoking questions. Come and see how Scripture and Science have shaped our world. Get your tickets today at museumofthebible.org. This episode of Wishers Breakaway is brought to you by you, the subscriber, the Patreon subscriber who keeps us going every single week. Patreon.com slash Wishers Breakaway, where the magic happens, where BSBOT lives now. You can join us today. Thank you for your support. It makes us keep going with this podcast every single week. Thank you so much. All right. Big show. Larry Brooks, Shayna Goldman, New Regime, Chris Juriera, Jack Eichel, Insider Scoops, Outsider Scoops, Scoops of Ice Cream, all coming from the not- well, let's, I guess let's just hear from the not future coach of the New York Rangers, Mark Messier. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of Patreon.com slash Bushers Breakaway. I'm here with my co-host, Greg, also of Patreon.com slash Bushers Breakaway. Gregory, say hello. Wherever it may be. Hey, wherever they're cheating, wherever they may be cheating, wherever he may play, wherever we end up, wherever the future goes. That's this summer podcast in a nutshell. There's a lot going on and you probably understood out there probably like what are you what is ryan talking about except you know what i'm talking about the tampa lightning are cheating eichel is mm-hmm. going to get traded chris Drury mm-hmm. is now in charge and there is the summer of anything is possible is here gregory i don't yeah. even know where to start well i mean we're starting with jack eichel because it's okay the odds of him being a new york ranger i don't think significantly moved today but the odds of him being a buffalo saber come opening night October 2021. Less than 1%. It's less than 1%. That is scathing, that exit interview he did with the media today. And it was scathing before he said the bit about how the Sabres aren't letting him get surgery. The surgery part was when I was like, oh, this is a problem. Then I know Elliot posted that you can, like, kind of force a player to get second opinions or say that. And when Eichel, the way he said it, the way he almost cried, he teared up. He was like, that's just, you know... That's it's a, it's not you don't understand it's not up to them it's not up to me it's up to them I was like what what do you mean they're not when, letting you get surgery when the story came out in March that the Will Ponds actively prohibited Jed Lowry from getting knee surgery I sat back and said to myself this is the most Will Pond thing I've ever seen there's no way any other owner would ever do any of this shit and Jed Lowry wasn't your franchise Greg no no sure wasn't. Sure wasn't the team captain, (laughs) highest paid player in team history, and the most important part of the team's uh, foundation. Yeah, no, Jed Lowry. Your entire identity? Hmm. Like, I I don't, I honestly, Ryan, you're going to have to tell me what the hell the argument is for him not getting the surgery. It is a lost season for the Sabres, a shortened season for the Sabres, a season in which you fired your head coach. You have every reason to withhold Jack Eichel from playing in these games to get him as healthy as humanly possible for next season when you hope yes. you are in a dumpster fire. And whether you think the surgery is necessary or not, 
It's going to allow Jack Eichel to feel better and healthier. So why wouldn't you do it? That, that he's, the again, argument Jack is Eichel. that we're talking about Jack Eichel. I will I will play devil's advocate despite me disagreeing with it entirely. Okay. I want to make this clear. The sure. medical argument, and I am not a doctor, I'm a dumb podcaster, is that what? you can have some some sort of physical therapy that might have a better chance of rehab than the actual surgery itself when it comes to something like a back or a herniated disc or something like that. And I, I don't know anything else, but that would be their argument. It's not good enough for me, personally. No. It doesn't do it. Uh, he will be, I, I would say the odds of him being a Ranger opening night are 3 to 1. So plus 300. Yes. Are those the best odds in the league? Do you think someone has better odds? I think LA league? is 5 to 1. These are odds that Ryan Those are better those, those are worse odds. Correct. Does anyone have better no. odds? Are the Rangers the prohibitive favorite yes. in your mind at 3 to 1? Yes. Okay. I don't think it's would... particularly close. I think LA is it's LA or New York and that's it. And I know everybody's okay. going to try, I... but I don't think it's going to get close. I think as the Gambling aficionado of the two of us. Yes. Um, I would put, because you have to remember the dumb fuck uh, allegory here with the Sabres, right? Okay. They're yes. stupid. They're stupid. Yes. Even if Eichel demands a trade, will they trade him? We can't guarantee that the Sabres will. I will put the Sabres at about plus 175. Okay. I would have the Rangers second at about plus 325. I would have LA at five to one. I would have Tampa Bay somehow at eight to one, <laughs> and I would have the field uh, after that. Oh at, my god! Like five to two. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think everybody's going to be in. Obviously, it's a, a top ten center in the league who's twenty four years old right now, who said one day he'll be a father and a husband. Way to call it out. Call your shot, Michael. Really, just going for mm. it. Appreciate it. Believes in his swimmers. Yeah, go for it. I, I like. Believes it in you. his swimmers more than anything. The Sabers believe in him. That's so. true. That's yeah. for sure. If, if there's probably a clause in Eichel's contract that he can't have a kid until uh, like 2024, <laughs> hey, so we, that also hey, we prevent that from happening. We're the Sabres. Yeah, that uh, also isn't in Eichel's hands. Isn't isn't it crazy that as we sit here on May 10th, the day of exit interviews for the New York Rangers, mm. a day when a couple days ago, I know we did an emergency podcast, so we kind of already talked about it, and I'm sure we'll, we'll reflect on it more. And we have two amazing guests tonight in the Click King himself, Larry Brooks, and then also Shana Goldman of the Athletic. Uh, that we open with Jack Eichel, Chris Drury, like Lindgren signed today. Chris Drury's yep. here to stay. Some exit yep. interview quotes that are interesting. We have no idea what's going on with Quinn right now. He could get fired during this podcast. And yet, yep. the Jack Eichel story is here. It's the number one story of the summer, baby. We're right, running it right together. It, I think part of the reason why we start with Eichel is because it, it's, insane. it's just so wild to see. How many times have we bemoaned and criticized NHL players for not speaking their minds where you finally get an NHL player. That's like, this shit sucks and they won't let me get surgery. And the entire NHL hockey Twitter is ablaze oh. because it's, it's so abnormal. I said this today, like, you know, 2019, we were kind of what? sitting around here, uh, 2020, nine months with no hockey. And I've always wished for the NBA or for the NHL rather to be more like the NBA with drama and player movement and everything. And boy, have I got my wish. <laughs> it's no, really no com- soap opera. It's it, just hockey. Right? Yeah, no, it's been full soap opera this entire year for the New York Rangers, which is why one of the reasons I really do feel I believe in my heart of hearts that Davidson Gordon don't no longer have jobs is because the Rangers were sort of a soap opera all year, and and you and I know this better than anybody. 
they don't want to be anything except for a hockey team. That's it. Mm. That's it. That's that. That is true. I still think. I think we're not far off by saying there was an opportunity for John Davidson to remain president of the New York Rangers. Yeah. All he had to do was fire Jeff Gordon. And when he rightfully or not, when he decided not to do that, he essentially called James Dolan's bluff. And if there's one thing you should never do. Yeah. Don't do call that. Call James Dolan bluff. Yep. Donald. Uh, yep. That man, that man never bluffing. Yep. Jimmy Donald. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I would I would love to play – I would just love to know what playing poker would be like with James Dolan. I'm pretty sure – He'll drop he, cash. I'll tell you that. Oh, that's for sure, which would scare <laughs> me like, to no end. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I never, never, never call James Dolan's bluff. You will lose yeah. that bet. The petty is Every real, time. my man. Uh, MSG is great at being petty. They love it. And, oh, uh, boy, do they ever. They do. And in this case uh, – I. I just didn't see it. We, we've talked about this pretty publicly, and I've said it a million places. I, I agree with you entirely that J.D. Could, had the option to stay. It would have been J.D., and then I don't know how much power he would have had, but Drury would have been acting GM until eventually Drury took over the presidency. And then say that the Dark Lord and the Dark Sith Lord took over, uh, took over that spot. I think that, that press conference meant to have J.D. and uh, Drury, but then everything kind of went like you said. That's it. Yeah, and again, we, we've said this ad nauseum as well. There are, if Chris is your guy and you're worried about Chris Drury leaving and you'd have to be worried about Chris Drury leaving at this point considering how he is the first name that comes up with every front office opening that happens in the NHL. If, if you're worried about losing him and you understand that you need to promote him, it, it's almost like a tough, tough shit situation for Jeff Gorton. But if Drury's your handpicked kid who you have molded yep. and groomed from day one yeah it sucks for gorton but i understand making the move the i just get worried that the justification for the move and i've i've said this multiple times as well is james dolan saying he was disappointed in the outcome of this season that to me is the red flag because i just whether you liked david quinn or not it seemed that everyone was pretty universal in their well this season went about as well as you could possibly imagine all things considered um but now we're sitting here being like well the owner was underwhelmed so what the fuck does that i think that's code i really do i don't believe it i I think uh, they'll never say this out loud they never will it was all tom wilson that was the boiling point to the end of a drama filled year They'll never say that, yeah, Tom Wilson's the reason we changed everything and we accelerated this process to make Chris Drury the GM. It'll never come out. It'll never say that way. Even on 31 Thoughts, uh, Elliot Friedman was talking to a GM who said, you'll never convince me otherwise, and I totally agree with him. It's it's code language. Yeah, and it's if you're looking for a reason to fire someone, all you have to do is go against the owner's wishes, and then that's all the reason they need. Yep. Would Jeff Gordon have been fired either way? possibly would it have would it have happened this quickly i don't think so no i don't think is so it either. a lot easier to fire a guy when the general manager is going behind your back to tell other teams that he has no recollection where the statement is coming from he doesn't agree with the statement and he doesn't want the statement to be a reflection of him yeah you're making james dolan life's easy if all you needed to do was give james dolan an excuse congratulations you gave james dolan a perfectly valid excuse a bunch of them a bunch of them yep that's where we're at uh so chris Drury's first move 
it's seemingly his first move, and maybe we can uh, have Brooks confirm this or not, is to extend Ryan Lingerman for three years, $3 million. Uh, and how would, what, what would have been his first move? Promoting Justin Richards? Well, no, his first actual move Tim was asking, asking Vince uh, how, how it is being a dad and all that. But his, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> the, that aside, in this case, I, I wanted to, I'm more saying that could have been in the works beforehand, before Drury. Maybe that was a Gordon something that was happening already. Oh, well, I mean, I don't think Chris Drury came to this agreement in the last five days. I think that's safe to say, right? I don't know um, if it is. Yeah, I really don't know. I'm very curious. Yeah, I, but evaluating Ryan Lindgren, perfectly fair deal. Yep. I think, if anything, feels a little bit on the low end of what we were expecting Ryan Lindgren to be able to command, a guy who spent this season and last season establishing himself as not just a compliment to Adam Fox, but – a legitimate bedrock to this team's defense, an important cog in this team's defense, and important enough where it was noticeable the last couple of games of the season when he wasn't playing. Oh, it was night and day. Without him and Truba, the t- like, I know we're going to talk a lot about toughness and grit these next couple of weeks here and what James yeah, Dolan and what, what, that actually, what that actually means because, to me, I think it's been a big, a gigantic public misconception of what they're actually talking about with grit and toughness, but we're so conditioned otherwise. But the physicality of this of the team without Truba and Ryan Lingard is incredibly noticeable. Just very well, very lacking. Also, the fact that they're out of a playoff hunt and clearly they've been through a lot this year uh, changed the physicality of the team. Yeah, normally I'm a big anti-bridge guy, but it, it just seems to be the new vogue to do entry-level contract expires for your not-quite-stars, maybe all-star level performers. You lock them up to three years, you guarantee yourself another restricted free agent negotiation where you can kind of decide to make your pivot at that point in time. Um, it just seems to be the new yeah, I w- sauce. I would have liked to get Ryan Lingren for five years, three million, but I don't think he signs that either. Oh, there's no chance he yeah, signs Yeah, there's that. no way. Yeah, and you're also, listen, the next three years of Ryan Lindgren are going to be very important years, not just for him, but for the New York Rangers. And if they go poorly, you're giving yourself an opportunity to walk away from it. You ready for so a bold take for the Ryan, Ryan Lindgren? I think he scores more than five goals next year. How about that? He had like an insane shooting percentage this year. And nothing was going in for him. He was snake bitten as all hell. Okay. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> like, Ryan, Ryan Lindgren's not a guy I need scoring. That's true. If he scores zero, that doesn't matter. <laughs> I, I, it, it, good, good for him. I don't. He plays with Adam Fox. Allow Adam Fox to do all the offense. Just be the be the snarl next to Adam Fox's brilliance. And I'm a very happy camper. He's almost like a friend of the show, Jeff Bukaboom, except Bukaboom was a lot more forced than Lindgren was. But Bukaboom allowed Brian Leach to do a lot of the things that Brian Leach did well and made him a special defenseman. And if Ryan Lindgren is that, a, a very talented version of that, I'm a very happy camper. And I'll be happy to have him as a New York Ranger for the next five six seven eight nine years yeah i yeah i it's a great deal i i have no criticism i have no notes it, it it's it's good business for both parties ryan lindgren is setting himself up for a very pretty payday after these three years the new york rangers get a cost-controlled number one pairing defenseman to go along with their norris trophy level toy in adam fox so good good stuff all around well done a plus good marks 
nice job from Chris Jury right off the rip. Uh, as, as a first first move, it's a very successful one. You couldn't go wrong with it with someone like Ryan Lindgren. Who, he's, uh, he's a genius. He's a genius. He's a genius. He's I, so <laughs> smart that I will consider him a Fairfield County resident and not a Trumbull resident. I will but be once drinking he starts doing shitty things, he's a Trumbull resident again. Uh, was there any exit interview question or not question rather, but quote that kind of caught your eye? I, I didn't think anything was too crazy with the exception the, of the, the only Strom one, one. Yeah, the only one Strom... I, I mean, at a certain, again, this was before, this is before Jack Eichel went scorched earth and I'm kind of conditioned for every NHL quote to be the most vanilla and down the middle quote I could ever find. But Strom essentially saying, you know, what he thought of David Quinn being like, look, I'm a much better hockey player today than I was when I first got here, but I have no idea what's going to happen with David Quinn. The fact that he wasn't just over the moon in love with David Quinn caught me a little off guard. He, it, it, it again, it, it's, it's reading into it. I'm sure Ryan Strom uh, didn't mean it to come off anyway, besides being just supportive of his coach, but it was almost like he's a, like, I, I don't, I don't know what to equate it to. So I'm not even going to try. I just, right. it, it was very surprising to hear Strom not be more, defensive of his head coach yeah and there was another there was another one that was kind of like a uh a head scratcher this was uh on off the ice stuff from ryan strom it was bizarre some things that the media may not even know about there's a lot of internal things going on all the time and stuff like that i think in a way it made us stronger that's the thing like there's no beat writers around the entire locker room this year they only had zoom access or you were going to text players and that's the only way you were you were really talking to people so we're never going to know the full story uh, of what exactly went went behind the went be- went on behind the glass or in the locker room, mostly because no one was there except the players. Maybe one day David Quinn writes a book and we find out, because uh, I I think that would do pretty well on the stands for Ranger fans at least. And uh, but to me that was also sort of like I think it was just like hey it was a pandemic there was a lot going on uh, out after like the Tony Brigade and and all that too. So of course there was a lot we didn't know about that they had to deal with. It was a ton. Yeah, we'll never we'll never know if it was a rat or a raccoon. We'll just we'll, we'll never, never know. know. How will we'll we know? Never, we'll never know. How will we um, know? <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean it was it was Tony it was Tony D'Angelo. It was a rat. We all know. Like it, 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 it's, it's, I don't know, he's a raccoon. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't he doesn't look like a And then Rick a our former coworker type. Posted like a cryptic thing that Lemieux didn't ask to get traded or something just, like that. God love, God love Rick. I, I personally um, despise reporter teases. It, it just doesn't feel like good business to me. You either know the story or you don't. If you know the story, you should report the story. If you can't report the story, you shouldn't tease that the story exists. That I, I, I felt this way when um, certain Met websites were saying that there was going to be a Mickey Calloway story. It, it doesn't. It doesn't sit well with me. I, if if you say you know something, but you can't say it, then you can't say it. Don't say you know it then, because if you're not going to share it, shut up. Like I, I, I do this I all the time. Hear. In case anybody was wondering. <laughs> yeah, but you're also not a reporter. That's this true. Is like I, again, I, I more than anybody in this world, I'm the one that reminds you all the time that you're not. You're an insider, an but insider. you're not a reporter. Not a reporter. There's a very big difference. There is a difference. Um, it's true. I'm not a journalist. Yeah, I, well. We'll never know. And I'm sure when we talk to Larry later tonight, we'll ask him what it was like to be a beat reporter like during a pandemic question. season like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's, he's going to say it was unlike any other year he had on the beat, which is 100% true because whether 
whether you think it's it's important or or yeah, I'll go. I'll just say important. Whether you think it's important that beat writers are in the room, I think it makes a big difference between getting guys to talk about something they might not want to talk about, and not not just that, but asking a question that you don't think you're. It's asking a question that you don't actually want to report, but it's to get a reaction on something that might lead you to ask the question you actually want to ask. You might not want to ask that on a Zoom call with eight, ten other people listening that are like, "What? What are you? What are you? What are you cooking up, Vince? What are you doing?" What story are you working on? Do I need to worry about this as well? Like there, there's a competitive advantage to having these relationships as well. And it produces great content for all of us to enjoy. Instead, when you're in a pandemic season, you essentially get six people writing the same story with the same set of quotes. That's not as fun. That's not as good. So yeah, it, it's, it's tough. We'll never know the faux story because it's the New York Rangers and they'll never tell us. And yep. it's hockey culture. So we'll never know. Again, like think about how we started the show. You have to connect. We the started dots. the show about Jack Eichel because Jack Eichel did the most not hockey player thing humanly possible, which was by telling people how he feels. Which was drop a nuke on the Buffalo Sabers. <laughs> like, oh, <yeah>. Sabers, <laughs> cancel, cancel the Sabers. You want fucking Bob Baffert out here going on the news telling people that it's cancel culture that is horse tested positive. It's cancel. Jack Eichel is trying to use cancel culture to get the Buffalo Sabers out of the NHL. You just hate to see it. Yeah, you hate to see it. They wouldn't let him have surgery. Uh, is, let's just get some of the coaching stuff out of the way right now, right? Because we have okay. a couple minutes here before Shana comes on, in three minutes to be exact, actually. That's sooner than I thought. I thought we were, we're killing this time, whatever. Mark Messier not going to be a coach. Can we just get this out of the no, way? Not, not even, not even going to be involved in the New York Ranger organization. I think I'm safe to say. I, I think I, I don't. I've had people call. My father-in-law called me. He was like, "Mark Messier." I was like, "You don't even like or care about hockey. What are you talking about? <laughs> Who's telling you these things?" I guess he went on the radio and said he was available to be the coach. Like, yeah, so am I, Mark. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, more more people might listen to us in the Michael K show too, so. Hey, wow. Oof. Okay. Hashtag fuck Michael K. Yeah, I said it. Wait, why? What happened? He just sucks. Oh, yeah, he mean? does suck at what announcing. What do you mean, why? Oh, yeah. yeah. He sucks. I mean, I like his co-hosts. Anyway, uh, let's get that out of the way. And so Torts we'll talk about with Brooks, I'm sure. And then... Is there any other coach that was fired that caught your eyes? Because I'm still, I'm still as, as of right now it's six thirty nine p.m. I still think Quinn's going to be the coach next year. I really do. I saw some people wondering if Rick Tockett would be an option I don't for like it. the Rangers. I don't. I like it more than Torts, but that's because I don't like anything. About, I you were talking about how your most popular tweet was going to be about asking uh, Tom Wilson <laughs> to eat your ass like an oyster. Yeah, uh, I, I did. My, my most my most liked tweet now is me saying I love John Tortorella. I will always look fondly on the years of John Tortorella. I don't want John Tortorella anywhere near the New York Rangers ever again. And it's going to be my most liked tweet uh, of all time. It's true, and it's just it's it's one hundred percent true. I, I've talked about the Terry Collins zone countless times on this show, where Terry Collins might be my favorite Met manager of all time. And I never want to see him manage the Mets again. John Tortorella lives on that block. Great. I have wonderful memories of Joe's John Tortorella teams. Without those John Tortorella teams, this podcast probably doesn't exist because it got me more into hockey. And the dude is a walking soundbite. He provides content on a daily basis, and it's great. And I don't want him anywhere near my team. I, I am happy he exists. I am happy I have these memories with him. I don't need new ones. I'm good. You're, we're good. Um, I will say one name that I've mentioned in the Discord that I will say publicly as someone you should watch, per, per chance, because he has jury connections. And he has uh, won a Stanley Cup in the past. And he just won the KHL Golgarin Cup or whatever it's called. 
I do think we have to keep close eye on Bob Hartley. Uh, won a cup with the Avalanche while Chris Jury was with the Avalanche. Obviously still coaching, obviously still having some success. I just, I am of the opinion that if the Rangers are going to get rid of Quinn, it's going to be impossible to convince Dolan to roll the dice on a first-time NHL head coach again when he wants to make the playoffs and he wants this team to win a Stanley Cup. So if they're getting rid of Quinn, in my mind, they're bringing someone in with Cup pedigree. And that terrifies me because I don't, I, I hate that. I hate that so much. I just think that's where the Rangers are going to go if it's not David Quinn. Let's transition over to our dear friend Shana. Or rather, Larry first. I'm sorry. When I, uh, Shana will be the second interview today. Uh, so let's go to Larry real quick, and then we'll come back uh, after these two interviews, do a little uh, question segment, and then we'll go from there. All right, transition. Hey, we're back with our most revered guest of all time, the Click King himself of the New York Post, Larry Brooks. Thank you so much for joining us after all this time of trying to get you on the show. I know it's, it's been a long time. Thank you. How has it been for you not being in the locker room and not being able to write like a three-book series on the 2021 uh, season? <laughs> well, first, thanks for having me. Second, um, yeah, I, I have to change my number every day because I have so many people. <laughs> um <laughs> Not being in the locker room this year, not being able to uh, uh, spend time with players, not being able to establish uh, establish relationships uh, made it a um, less than fulfilling uh, year for me. Um, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> I've done this for such a long time and I enjoy being at the rink. I enjoy interacting with players. I enjoy pulling guys aside and getting to know them a little bit better. And it's incredible. There are, there are players on the team I have not met. <laughs> I, I covered Alexi Lafreniere for his first season in the NHL, and I have not met him. Um, I have not met Colin Blackwell. <laughs> so it was, a, it, it, was, uh, it was a different year for everyone in every aspect. And uh, this was just a, a byproduct of it. But um, I can tell you it was not a fulfilling year. Um, as, as a writer um, covering a team, it was not a fulfilling year. Larry, was it, was it all the more difficult because it just felt like in 2021, for whatever reason, every three days the season took a turn that nobody saw coming, that made everyone kind of lose their minds for a few days? I personally can't remember a season in which there were this many twists and turns for the New York Rangers, it definitely was out of character from what we've seen the last couple of years. And then you add in the fact that there's a pandemic going on, the writers aren't in the room, and all these things are kind of happening behind closed doors. Did that make it, I don't think frustrating is the word for it, but did it did it stick in your side a little bit more that all of this was happening all while we all have to just sit on the sidelines and let it happen? I thought it was it was more difficult to get a grasp of – um, uh, it, it was more difficult to take the temperature of the team. It was more difficult to get a read on the day-by-day um, uh, experience of the season. And, you know, it, it, was, it was so odd in so many ways that I don't think they, I don't think they ever really gained traction. I mean, they played, they played well first stretch after Panarin came back. There's no question about that, but they beat up on the, on, on the weaker teams. They had trouble with the tougher teams 
and it, it was hard. To, it was it was really hard to get a read on the team. Um, in a normal season, it's 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 oftentimes difficult to get a read, and there are so many things that are going on that you know you don't know about. But this year, um, even even not being at practice, you know, not being at the games is one thing because you can watch the games on television on the road or or you know some of the games at home, and you get a pretty good good idea of, of, of what's going on in the game. But so much. Uh, so much is learned from watching practice and seeing who good practice players are and how the team practices and the interaction between the coach and the players. And without that, there, 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 you know, you were just trying to fill in blanks all year that it was impossible to do. And, uh, so, so again, it, you know, I, as this, when the season started, it's not as if every day I sat back and said, oh, you know, I, I, I don't know what's going on because I'm not there. I mean, you, you do the best you can with the scenario presented. And, and so, I, I, you know, I, I think I did, you know, reasonably well this year. Um, um, so, I, I, again, I, I didn't sit there um, beating myself up. Um, there were just certain things that were different this year. And, you know, I like to think that we all, and, you know, myself certainly would have had a better handle on Mika Zibanejad's first half, had we been in the room. Um, you know, we, we would have, we, you know, we would have right. talked to him every day, you know, and Chris Kreider's um, slump the, the final month or so of the season, he would have been there. He would have been in the room every day and, would have been able to stop by and at least check in with him and you know with zoom and and not being there it was just there were just um themes of the season that that went unreported or or were reported in a a more superficial manner because there was there was no other way there was no way in so it was again it, it it was a different year um it's interesting you talk about all the twists and turns because I think that's been overblown, to tell you the truth. Wow. I, I think the narrative of, oh, look at everything they had to go through was overblown. Um, because they, you know, compared to other teams in the league, I'm not sure they had to go through so much. Obviously, they had the D'Angelo incident, but that was a self-inflicted wound. Um, Panarin was a unique circumstance, but teams lose their best players for 10 games all of the time, you know, generally to take injury most of the time, but it, you know, it, it was, it was a different circumstance. It was unique, but it's not as if um, he was kidnapped and disappeared, you know, for, for the rest of the season. Um, the coaching staff was out for six games. They won four of them. And then of course the final week, it, it, it sort of spun out of control, but you had teams that were shut down for, for two weeks at a time. You had teams that had six, seven, eight players on the COVID list at one time, and the Rangers never had to endure that. So I did think that the everything we had to go through, everything they had to go through narrative was overblown, and in a sense it, it, it uh, provided a crutch for the Rangers. And I, and I thought – um, again, I, 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 I didn't, I didn't 
I, I didn't particularly uh, care for the fact that that crutch was provided every day for them. Larry, I got to tell you, as a fan, I am exhausted. And, like, I begged for drama like this. I really did. I begged for more excitement, and we are here, and we got it, and it's been a lot. I know you, I get there's a crutch for the Rangers on their side, but as a, a person following the team, the ups and downs have been truly, at least in my opinion, insane this year. I was going to ask, what did you think was the most surprising moment of the season? But as you just sort of answered that, so instead I'll sort of rephrase, was it sort of surreal for you to be on the phone with James Dolan talking about the firing of John Davidson and Jeff Gorton only two years after uh, Davidson was hired by the New York Rangers uh, for or later, la- or rather, sorry, later in last week? Well, it caught me by surprise. Um, that's for sure. Everyone. But I also, I, I also didn't have the reaction that most people did to it. I was surprised, but I also understand it because, and I, and I, and I think I, I, I think this was a, a, a thread that I weaved throughout the season. I didn't think that the rebuild was way ahead of schedule. I thought that they, and look, I understand they were in a tough division this year, but it's not going to get any easier next year when Carolina comes back. You know, people are, you know, Carolina is going to be flipped out for Boston and then you're going to have Columbus replacing Buffalo. So Columbus will probably be better than Buffalo. You know, probably be a little bit better than Buffalo. Maybe not. Maybe they're an equivalent. Carolina's equally as good as Boston. They're probably they're better and they'll probably be better for the next few years. And so the Rangers are going to have, although they won't be playing these teams all the time, but they're still going to have to compete with the Islanders and Washington and Pittsburgh and Carolina. And the Flyers are going to be better. There's no way that Carter Hart can be as bad as he was this year. There's no way the Flyers can, can play the way they did this year. And they're a team that had seven or eight guys on the COVID list for a while. Um, then you look at the, you know, the other division in their conference and, you know, you're, you're dealing with Boston and Tampa Bay and Toronto and Florida and Montreal. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, their path to the playoffs is not going to get any easier next season. So um, I, 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 I think that the team achieved, I, I don't think they overachieved. I'm not, I don't think they underachieved, but I think that the bar was set a little bit too low for them. I really do. And I think that I can only infer from the conversations that Dolan must have had with JD because I'm not, I'm not privy to any of them, but I can imagine that the conversation was about trying to accelerate the process. And again, I am just inferring this and that Davidson said, no, that's not the right move. And I tend to come back on. The, I tend to come down on the owner side. On this. I, I do. I, I think. I think this process is ready to move into the next step. I think there is more to be demanded of the Rangers. You know, obviously the first year they missed the playoffs, the year of the letter. Of course, they tore the team down. Yes, but now there have been three more years. And okay, so now it's at four. When you start getting into five and six you become hopelessly enmeshed in a rebuild that never reaches fruition. I mean, just look at the teams in this league that go year after year after year, not making the playoffs, not winning a playoff round. That's not what this is supposed to be about. So I tend with, and again, without knowing the conversations, 
between Dolan and and Davidson, I tend to come down on the owner's side on this. Larry, we are three guys talking into microphones and telephones about a team that plays hockey. When you say accelerate the rebuild, in your mind, just again, not not trying to put words in anybody's mouth, but the, just the three people that we're having a conversation right now. In your mind, what does accelerate the rebuild look like? It means recognizing that you're going to have to trade some of your young guys, that, you're, that there is a deficiency in, in physical um, power, in, in, uh, in being able to win games more ways than just on skill, and a dramatic move is going to be needed to, to insert that kind of presence into the top six. I don't think the Rangers need to, um, or I, I, don't, I don't think the charge is for Chris Drury to improve the third line or to improve the fourth line or to improve the third defense pair. I think the charge is to improve their top six and to improve their top four. And in order to do that, it, it's not going to be easy. It, I mean, I, you know, it's not easy getting guys to play on your top six. But I think, that's, I think that's what is necessary for the Rangers. I think they have to change the dynamic of their top six in which when they have time and space, they are as, as entertaining and as impressive a team as there is in the league. I mean, they can fly. You know, they, are, they, they make plays, they're creative, they finish. Um, but when time and space is taken away from them, they all, they almost they, they have no they have no plan B, and or they refuse to adjust to a plan B one or the other because they certainly played a much tougher and much better brand of hockey against the Islanders last year than they did this year and that's what that's something that I don't understand I don't understand why they were why their top guys had so much trouble against the top teams this year when they didn't as a rule last year. And that's something I think that I might have had more insight into had I been there every day, had I been able to talk to guys every day. Now, maybe, maybe they would have shut down, but it's tough to shut down every day. Um, so I think, I think accelerating the rebuild means taking some risks and not simply allowing this to play out for another year or two and to see how the young guys develop. I think they need to do more than that because again, you know, Artemi Panarin is what twenty nine. He's going to be thirty next season. Mm-hmm. Zibanejad's uh, going to be is, is uh, going to be twenty nine at the end of next season. But um, Kreider is going to be thirty. You know, I, I don't think you build looking out six or seven years. I think you try and build looking out three or four. And the Rangers now are in year three, so I think it's time to take the next step. There are two things you said there that I think people listening at home are worried about. First thing is trading some of the young assets. I, I think when you say that, are you talking in the prospect pool? You're not talking about Kako, Lafreniere, or Fox, something like that, because those are questions I get asked so often. It's like, do you think the Rangers trade one of those three guys? And I always say, likely not to no, hard no. And the second thing you said was uh, the toughness and, the, and that sort of grit. The Rangers aren't looking for an enforcer at this point in time, just some more of a will player, someone that can play with size, that can play with that that brand of hockey that can protect them from Tom Wilson, but not a Michael Haley, Tanner Glass type that this fan base has notoriously been against. Am I correct in that assessment? 
Well, Tom Wilson doesn't enter into this at all. I mean, I, I, I was writing all year that they, they needed to have, they needed to diversify their top six. So Tom Wilson does not enter mm-hmm. into this at all. What happened last week against Washington is doesn't enter into this at all because there is no team in the league that can prevent Tom Wilson from flipping out. I mean, listen, everyone admires the Bruins and their legacy of toughness and their ability to stand up for one another and, and their culture in Boston. But that didn't stop Matt Cook from ruining Mark Savard's life. And it didn't stop Tom Wilson from concussing Brando, uh, Brandon Carlo a mm-hmm. few weeks ago. So there, there is no way to stop that. I'm talking about players who are going to play and, and this is such a, I know it's become such an overused cliche, north, south, you know, east, west, but players who, you know, players who are going to get the puck in deep, work, work the walls, work the corners, go to the front of the net. You know, you're, you're going to be able to impose your physical will. You're going to win 75% of the one-on-one battles. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a guy to uh, nullify Tom Wilson. Um, you know, that's what I'm talking about. And, and, and as far as the first question, I think the Rangers have, in addition to the guys who are on no move clauses. So it's, it's, you know, it's really kind of out of their hands. Mm-hmm. And, and that includes uh, Panarin and Zibanejad and, and Kreider and Truba. Um, I think the Rangers have three untouchables and they are, um, Shesterkin, Fox, and Lafreniere. And there then become grades on what it would take to get anybody else on the team. Now, I don't envision the, I don't, Chris Drury is not turning around and making a, a uh, trade for Marcel Dion. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, this is not going to happen. They're, they're not trading their brightest young assets for guys who are done. They're not trading their guys for, you know, middle of the road, 33 year olds. They're not doing that. But in order to get a top six guy, you're going to have, you're going to have to give up a valuable asset. And and I think the Rangers are going to have to trade somebody they don't want to trade. And, you know, whether that is, well, I mean, I certainly hope it's not Ryan Lindgren, you know, and I, and I don't think it would be Ryan Lindgren. I, I think you, you kind of move him into the, un, you know, I think he's probably as close to untouchable as there is, you know, of the guys I didn't have on that list. Um, you know, you certainly don't want to trade him. You don't want to trade Keandre Miller. You don't want to trade Kako, but you might have to. You just might have to. And, you know, but again, I'm talking about a formidable top six guy. I'm not talking about a guy who's going to play on their third or fourth line. All right, Greg, go ahead and ask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, well, Larry, as, as you are one to see in a day like today, um, the biggest non-Ranger news there was is everything Jack Eichel had to say on his go-away day with Buffalo. And it sure seems like he's going away from Buffalo. Do you see any scenario where Drury, given this new power, this new – Chutzpah from owner James Dolan goes big game hunting in Buffalo. I don't think Eichel's the right guy for them. 
Um, I don't think he brings the elements they need. And I certainly would never have paid Jack Eichel $10 million a year. I don't see how they fit Eichel's $10 million into this team with Zibanejad. If they're going to extend Zibanejad, and I think that's the aim, um, I think both sides want to get it done. It, I don't know that it's going to be an easy negotiation. But A, Zibanejad's a better player than Eichel. <laughs> he's, a, he's a better 200-foot player than Jack Eichel. He's a better scorer than Jack Eichel. So if you're choosing one or the other, I'm coming down on the side of Zibanejad. If you want to add Eichel, I just don't see how it works. I don't see how the math works, and I don't really think that Jack Eichel is the kind of guy they need. Um, does that mean they're not going to trade for Jack Eichel? No, it doesn't. But that would not be the place I, I look. Larry, a question I wasn't anticipating asking you, but I'm, I'm going to ask because I, I can't go a day in my life without thinking about it. Will we ever see the Rangers offer sheet, one of these young players that has top six potential that will address a number of holes on this team without having to sacrifice the young players they already have and instead just sacrifices future young players that don't currently play for the New York Rangers? I doubt it. Um, and, and one of the reasons, one of the reasons I, I doubt it is because of the number of players they have coming up who would be vulnerable to offer sheets. And you know that the minute the Rangers extend an offer sheet, there are going to be offer sheets being flying at the Rangers players when they come off entry level. So I don't think so. I also think it's, 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 I also think it's extremely difficult to construct an offer sheet that would not be matched. And um, so I, I, I would be very, very surprised if they go in that direction. I have to ask about Seattle. Do you think there is anything surprising that the Rangers could do other than just maybe exposing someone like Howden or uh, Gauthier this offseason? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think the approach that Jeff Gordon took the last time was the, was the correct one. You know, in fact, I remember talking to Jeff probably at least a dozen times during that year. Hey, how about the, how about the expansion draft? How about the expansion draft? And every time he said to me, look, we're going to lose a player. That's it. You know, we're <laughs> going to lose a player. That's that's just it. Okay. And I thought he did. I thought he, you know, he did a terrific job. They wound up losing um, um, the fourth line center, yeah. right, Oscar Lindbergh, and and uh, uh, you know, while other teams were giving away first rounders and, and making you know really horrendous trades, um, I think it just comes down. I think the Rangers. It just comes down to whether they're going to protect Howden, I think, or Blackwell. That's, you know, there could be there there could be trades that that um, impact the dynamic before the protection list goes in. But I think you know you're looking at what you see is pretty much what you're going to get with the Rangers, and I think it's just a decision between Howden and Blackwell. And if that's the decision, I am certainly protecting Brett Howden. Larry, um, obviously the big question that the Rangers have to answer first and foremost before we get too far into this offseason is the future of head coach David Quinn. As someone who's talked to Dolan, as someone who has had a better read on everything that's going on in Rangerland over the last week than most, is there a scenario in which James Dolan expresses his displeasure with the trajectory the team is on that cost Jeff Gordon his job while still keeping David Quinn, despite 
the reasons why Gordon was removed. Yeah, I think there's uh, yes, I do think there's a scenario under which Quinn uh, comes back, and um, I know that that Dolan uh, likes David Quinn. But I also know that this is not going to be a, a James Dolan decision. This is going to be a Chris Drury decision. And I, I don't know what he's going to decide. I think, I think there's, there's a lot there um, that suggests that David Quinn deserves another, another shot at this with a more fortified roster. Um, I think the question is, as I've written a few times now, do the Rangers believe, and, and that's essentially Drury at this point, but I think Glenn Sather will have some input, but um, Chris will make the call. Um, do the Rangers believe that David Quinn is the coach to take them to the next level? Not about fairness. I understand that. Listen, I, David Quinn is as good a person as I've met in this game. Yeah, he's as caring an individual, compassionate a, a, a person as, as, as I've met in this game. And, you know, I, I would love to see him personally i would love to see him get a get a crack at this again another crack at this but it's not about what he deserves it's not about being fair and you know it's not about that and and i think i think david himself said something like that last week that this is pro sports and this is what happens he was talking about the jd and and jeff gorton dismissals and um i think the question for chris drury is can the rangers reach the next level with david quinn as their coach and that, I think, will be the deciding factor. I'm surprised it didn't really happen today. There's been a lot of rumors of other coaches throwing or other people throwing their names in the hat. Mark Messier's name's coming up everywhere. Uh, I think that's a no-go. John Tortorello is now, Tortorella is now a free agent. Uh, have you heard anything on from his camp about maybe making a re, uh, reuniting with the New York Rangers? Well, first, they're, first, they're, they're, you know, the Rangers have a coach, and so yep. it's extremely, it's extremely gauche for someone who's out of work to start lobbying for a job that is not open at this at this moment. That's fair. I would be very surprised. I would be very surprised if Tortorella um, is hired here. Um, I, I know that the owner likes him. They've always had a good relationship. They had a good relationship when he was fired um, uh, after twenty. 13. Um, but I don't think he's the right person at the right time for this, this organization. Very I think more. there are too many young skilled guys. And I think, and I think Tortorella's um, operational manual, which has been successful is to break down a team before he builds it back up. And I don't think the Rangers are looking for a coach to break down this team over the next two to three years in order to build it back up in three or four. And, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time. And he believes in a culture of confrontation. And, and I just don't think he's the right fit for this team. Um, I think a person who is going to be um, um, on the list and probably high on the list if the Rangers make a move is Rick Tockett. I think everybody respects Rick Tockett. And I think he would be... I think he would be a coach who's, who is going to um, attract a lot of interest from any team with a coaching vacancy. I think if they move on from Quinn, then they, then they have to bring in an experienced NHL coach. You know, they're, they're not going for a first-timer, and that's why I – and I, listen, I could be wrong, but that's why I don't think Chris Knobloch 
mm-hmm. will be a legitimate candidate. Um, he did a nice job for the week. He was here a week and a half. Um, clearly, the players responded to him. But again, you remember, you know, he didn't, you know, he he was kind of a turnkey coach behind the bench, and I, and I think he was important. I think his his approach was important. But it, it would I, I would be flabbergasted if the Rangers hire if, if the Rangers uh, um, were to dismiss Quinn and then replace him with a first time NHL coach. I I don't think that's I don't I don't think that's in anyone's uh, best interest at this point. I will. I, all I'm going to add is uh, I wake up every morning and lobby to be the new general manager of the New York Mets. So I, I'm not exactly sure uh, I can agree with any coach trying to lobby and calling it gauche, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Larry, we've talked a lot about the Rangers needing to make a significant move, not just a big move, but a significant move without putting you on the spot, without having you need to drop a specific name. Do you think there's a specific player the Rangers are already trying to hunt? I think there's a specific brand of player they're trying to hunt, but I also think it's, I also think there's not enough information available on what other teams, um, how other teams are approaching their off seasons yet. I, I think that probably would take a little while, but I think they have a type of player they're looking for. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not being coy and not giving any names. I'm, I'm not giving any names because I haven't identified them yet. And, I'll probably spend, you know, next day or two maybe looking looking around. But again, we're we're talking about I'm t I am talking about a major move that that um that is not going to be easy to pull off. So I, I'm not I'm not sure. I I can't give you the player's name at this point. I could I was I was gonna I was gonna follow it up by asking if the player's name was Matthew Kachuk, but I think you just immediately <laughs> said that you're not gonna say who it is. So I I I will not ask. Nice try that gotcha question. journalism, Greg. Great great try. I, I, I tried. I tried. Okay. I tried. I tried. Right. Um last and final question for you, Larry. Thank you for being so gracious with your time tonight. How many games into the next season will it take for Ranger fans to explode when Alexi Lafreniere is not on the first power play? <laughs> um Two, three? No, he'll be on the first, he'll he'll be on the first power play. <laughs> he, <laughs> hey, he, he will be. Lemieux on the first played play. over him on the second power play this year. Okay, I mean, anything is possible. Yeah, he, will, he, he he will be on the first power play next year. He will be on the first power play. Next year. <laughs> Keep saying it, please. Yeah, <laughs> Greg, any will. any he final will. questions for our wonderful guest? Uh... I, we could keep going I, for another I, hour, I know, but I don't want to keep this I, going. I, yeah, I, Larry, you've been so great with your time. I don't want to. I don't want to kidnap any more of it. Um, no, that's not, that's that's fine. That's fine. I, I honestly, I, I'm. I, this is the first time in my life where I'm struggling to think of a question. It's going to come to me tomorrow, and I'm going to kick myself. I, I have for one, not asking you because I'm, you know, a better host than you, Greg. Um, wow. <laughs> with, was the Lindgren deal in place with Gorton first, or was this a Drury specific deal? Do we know that? Uh, I I I don't know that for sure, but I imagine that that the uh, the outlines of it were there. I, I don't think that the deal came together in the last forty eight hours. I think it's I, I think it's generally something they they had been working on. I think it's a really it's it's a really it's a fair deal. It's a it's a good deal. We love it's a very it. Very good deal for the Rangers. It's a fair deal for uh, Ryan Lindgren, um, who again. You know, Lindgren was gonna was Lindgren was coming up on restricted free agency, but he did not have arbitration rights, so he really had no leverage. And other than 
you know, other than being a very good player. And I, I think the number, the number was fair. I think that the fact that the Rangers got the third year out of it makes it an extremely good deal for the Rangers. And um, Ryan Lindgren, the, uh, his improvement from, from, you know, the first, uh, the first training camp he was at to now is just, is remarkable. And, and he is a, he is a case study in how a young player can remake himself dramatically. And his skating has improved to a, uh, a significant degree. His, play in the offensive zone has improved and and I remember hearing about Ryan Lindgren when they got him and everyone talked about his leadership qualities his character but he was pegged as a marginal NHL player because of his skating because he 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 was only a, a, a you know a kind of a throwback defensive guy and there aren't very many of those in the league anymore and there was there was no certainty that Ryan Lindgren was going to be more than maybe a sixth defenseman. And he has, you know, remade himself or improved himself to the point where he is a legit top four guy. He played against, you know, he, he and Fox were their top matchup pair and played against, you know, the other team's top line, you know, essentially every night. So uh, with Ryan and, and the Players Player Award, so you know what kind of uh, character he has. You know his his um, what what the guys think of him in the room. He's an important piece, and you know I guess if I were going to add a fourth player to the um, untouchable list, it would be Ryan Lindgren. I hate that it's not Kako, and I have to follow up with this question. And it's not actually about Kako; it's about Adam Fox. I believe they can extend him on July twenty eighth. Is Drury at his house at midnight that night handing him an eight-year contract? Well, I don't think Adam Fox – Adam Fox's number is going to be dependent in a large way on what Kale McCarr gets this summer. I hate that you said so that. So I don't think I, – I don't think that um, – I think the Rangers would love to lock him up quickly. <laughs> I'm not so sure that the Adam Fox party – is going to be coming to the table before um, before uh, Makar's deal is done. I think that's going to I think Makar's deal is going to set the threshold for what Adam Fox is going to be looking for. Um, so I you know uh, yeah that, that's that's what I think about that. I, I wouldn't expect a, I wouldn't expect a quick resolution on that. Um, so um, no. Okay. I mean, Chris might be at, Chris might be at his house. <laughs> have, you know, I think he will be. Invite him in for invite him in for a barbecue. Hey, Chris, what's up? It's midnight. What are you doing out here? Oh, nothing. Just got this eight-year contract yeah. with eight million worth it. Wonder if you want to sign it. Just wondering, curious. Um. Yeah, yeah. Well, eight years, eight, eight years, eight million. He might. <laughs> that's. I'm just saying. I think that's he a steal might, for the might, Rangers. He might. He might. He might. He might not wait for Macar if the offer is eight years at eight million. I think but, he should take it. Uh, we'll see. All right. We'll see. Larry, yeah. I can't thank yeah. you enough. Seriously, uh, is there anything you want to plug other than we click sure, on your click on your stories in five seconds after? Sometimes I post them before you even do because I have to click them and read them immediately. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is there anything you want to plug other than obviously your great stories that come out almost every no, day in the New York no, Post? No, 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 no. I, I, I have nothing to plug except for myself. Wonderful, <laughs> Larry. I, I hope you understand that when we call you the Click King, that is a term of one hundred percent endearment. Like we, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter. I, it's, it's been 
incredible to watch. Everybody has an opinion about Larry Brooks, but it doesn't matter what that opinion is. When you write a piece, they're reading it. And, and it's I just remarkable to see that. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Narrative thanks, King, we talk about your stories incredible. literally every week. <laughs> so here we go. Larry, can't thank you so much for joining us. Everyone follow Larry on Twitter and follow all his stories in the New York Post. Thanks, Larry. Sure thing. Good night. Have a good night. Good night. Hey, and we're back with our second guest of the day, Shana Goldman of The Athletic. Shana, how are you? I'm good. How are you? What was it like writing an article and then they just tweeted out the uh, price for Ryan Lingard for you? Mm, it's been it's been like honestly the last like week or so has just been like so wild like uh, you know I expect stories to get buried and things to change but I really didn't see that coming it was gonna run tomorrow or the next day and it was like a thing on the restrictive free agents circle you know all centered on Ryan Lindgren a story I've been wanting to write and then they just tweeted it out <laughs> so we no we I'm sorry I'm laughing it, but it sucks no please please laugh because I I'm I'm glad I didn't spend as much time as I like because I, I figured I'd write most of it tonight after work. Um, I, I reshifted, though. So we have something else and with analysis on Lingren, but not centered on him. He literally We're left the, the interview and they handed him a bag of $3 million. That's pretty cool. That's got to be oh, yeah. feel pretty nice. What, what do we think he said in the exit interview where it's just like, could he have said something where Dre is like, uh, actually, I'm going to withhold this contract for a second? No. <laughs> <laughs> Would you have punched Tom Wilson in the face the next time you're on the ice? You'd be like, yes. Yeah. Okay. You got okay. All right. Good. Good. It's not, it's not two and a half anymore. Now it's three. J- Dolan yeah. just wanted I'm to I'm pretty sure, sure what Ryan Glingren actually said was I wouldn't stop until I and him was covered in my own blood. I'm pretty yeah. sure that was the actual sentence. Uh, He's probably like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I have a charge for every time I bled this season as, as your leader in blood draws per 60. I, I have a charge for every single time my face got fucked up. So please pay me for that. So that was every game in case you're wondering, counting at home. <laughs> it's just, uh, I'm excited to uh, have him on the team. He's a great guy. Well, not, not to give away the entire article, Shana, cause that's the last thing I want to do, but I do want to tease people towards it, even though, you know, Hey, eh, we're still, we're still on we're the still website. Friendly. We're fine. We're still, <laughs> um, do you think this extension significantly impacts any other business the Rangers want to do with the restricted free agents? And why is the answer? No. So I think that the answer is they want to get the most important restricted free agents out of the way first, instead of, I think that they have a a general assumption of what they're going to give everybody else. You know, you're going to offer qualifying offers to some, and for some it's going to be low, you know, low risk, inexpensive bridge deals. The two that aren't are Lindgren and Buchnevich. They need to know how much money they have for the two of them. So getting Lingren out of the way early and doing it before the market's set and getting that price, you know, as low as it is, that's a, that's a great, you know, bit of business to get done. So now you have a better idea what you can do for Buchnevich. And then you can figure out everything else when you talk about acquiring players and dealing with future cap situations. So, you know, if anything, it's smart. You could look at it and go, well, they should have figured out everything else first, then figured out how much cap they have left. Like, if you're not getting a better deal than this for Lingren. So you sign this, you take that one home, and then you, you work on the rest. Yeah, I you think the boost thing. Setting your, you're setting yourself up for Brett Howden to be the next guy that signs. Oh, no. I'm just telling you right now. Do you, I mean, no way. I would expect as much. I, no, I would <laughs> expect him to get signed soon. I would expect, you know, I think the thing was with most of their restricted free agents besides Booch and Lindgren, I would expect a bridge deal. Nobody's done anything to scream, you know, long-term extension. Even Heedle, had Heedle been healthy all year, you know, it probably would have been like the perfect time to be like, hey, sign for four years at three and a half million a year. And it's a steal and things like that. But, you know, his play didn't warrant it, unfortunately. And I think a lot of that was out of his control, out of his control. I Has think, Igor done yeah. enough? Mm-hmm. 
goalies are tricky. Nobody knows how to evaluate goalies. That's the thing. Nobody knows how to pay goalies and nobody knows how to evaluate goalies. That's why, you know, players like Carey Price get Henrik Lundqvist money because they assume that they're going to age the same way when they had completely different injury histories and traje- uh, trajectories. So it's really tricky because when you look at a player's prime and, and things like that and you try to work with aging curves for that, goalies are so different because so many of them come up later and – um, some don't trust goalies until they're in their mid twenties versus that 18 or 19 year old kid that you're going to throw in the lineup. So it's totally different. I would expect, honestly, given the cap environment and the fact that nobody knows what to do with goalies, a one or two year deal doesn't sound like the wrong move necessarily, but you could go for, you know, starters money, but on the lower end, you're not going to give him $8 million, but you look at what John Gibson's making. And if you can go, Less than that because he's much more unproven at the NHL level, which is what everyone's going to cite. You know, um, you could have something if you could get four or five years right there and get it for like under six million dollars a year. I don't see why not. He's your starting goaltender. You're confident in him, and Benoit Lair is a magician. So, you know, and if you need to, you can always move him. Like if Matt Murray could be moved after some pretty crappy seasons, I'm sure most goalies, you know, younger goalies can be nobody knows how to evaluate them you just go like look at his numbers and the save percentage and blah blah blah, and everyone goes for it anyway but um given everything else i won't be shocked if it's a two-year deal really i see i feel like they're gonna go five years at least i think i think it could be smart i think that's a smart move i I think what what we've seen from igor already and i know he's had some quote-unquote uh i guess mishap games but there are a lot of times where he's just clearly an elite goaltender he clearly can turn it on, and you don't need him to be Henrik Lundqvist. Sure, it would be nice, but no one's Henrik Lundqvist. He's definitely a top 15, top 10 goalie in the league now. And so if you can lock him up for five years, anything less than $5 million, I think you got to do that immediately. I think so. They wait just to figure out when – like, I think they wait to sign him to figure out where some of the other pieces fall. If they move any significant contracts, now you have you know space for a five-year deal. If they're going to acquire a big-name player – maybe you do have to tighten your belt just a little bit. So since he's a restricted free agent, you have that flexibility. And since he's not the one that'll be like setting the tone, you know, on the team and on the cap situation as much as maybe Buchnevich might, because he's the one you expect to get paid. It's getting paid or, or, or going elsewhere, you know, yeah, they're going to move him if they can't pay him. Um, so I think that they need to see where a couple chips fall because it would be smarter to go long-term now if they're confident in him. And there's, you know, every reason to be, um, but if they feel that they can't squeeze it for now, then he's the one that'll definitely get shortchanged with a short-term contract, which will benefit him in the long term. Speaking of pieces and where they fall, Shana, question yes. of the day, where does Jack Eichel fall? How far away from Buffalo does he fall? My money is still on the Kings. I know I've told Ryan this. I, my money is on the Kings because they have the prospect pool to be, you know, and they have so many pieces that they can move for a team like Buffalo to want to, you know, to want to make that trade happen. You need a lot of future assets. You need young NHL ready players to make it work. So I'd be curious if LA wasn't the team. Everyone has that connection to the Rangers. It, it, there's no question, but there's going to be a lot of pieces that the Rangers aren't going to be willing to move. Like their first and second overall picks, you know, they're not just moving them and Adam Fox is untouchable. I don't think as many players are untouchable now as maybe they were last summer. Um, but it's really tricky. And I think the other part of it is like 
when you look at Eichel and you look at the money he makes in his age, there's a lot of reason to be confident in him. You, It's cost-controlled. That's one. You don't have any questions about what his cap's going to be in the near future. It's expensive, yes, but you know what it is, and it's not going up anytime soon. And two, he's younger than most centers, and that's a bona fide number one center that you're getting at that age, at that price, and all of that definitely makes it, you know, um, something a team's going to strive for. But the tricky part of it is that neck injury. Neck injuries are tough, and you don't want it that you just spend all of this to bring in a player who maybe won't be the same player again or maybe is going to have long-term repercussions. And I won't be surprised if teams are scared of that, especially like when you hear everything that's going on with Buffalo right now. It's it's such a messy situation that uh, general managers might look at it and go, we can fleece them, and it's no problem because Jack Eichel made it clear he doesn't want to be here and we look horrible. But on the other hand, they could just be more apprehensive because they don't want to spend for a player who might not be the player they're hoping for because of this injury. And if anything, this year that happened between the team and him made it worse. Do you see a scenario where he stays? No. No. We're past that point, I think. I, unless yeah. unless management changes again, which the only is way it, I think he's But is it, is it management that would have to change or would the Pagulas have to sell? I think that, well, I don't have very good opinions of the Pagoulas. Um, I think that, I think it would have to be, and I, I hate, I hate even like, you know, saying this, but I would think it would have to be like a hockey man through and through that you're like, I have confidence in him because he's going to bring stability because he did X, Y, Z. Like, I think it's going to have to be one of those things for someone to feel some confidence in there because they've tried it with, you know, Kevin Adams right now is not an experienced general manager and it's not going very well. And then you look at Botterill, he was a first time general manager because he was only an assistant GM to that point and it didn't go very well. So they could easily say, we need someone more experienced, just like how Edmonton went from, you know, Shirelli, who was ruining everything to Ken Holland, who is that stable hockey man in theory. I look at Holland's tenure in Detroit and go, well, I could pick out 20 things I wouldn't have done, you know, because I think some of his views are outdated and, the way he spent money was wrong, but at the end of the day, he's a name that people recognize. And, you know, in hockey, a lot of them view it as stability. That's why they stay within the realm of the same, you know, 40 or so people for each job. Um, but I, I just feel like it's gotten to a point that it, 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 especially now when you hear everything that Eichel said today about like the team, um, it wasn't as simple as just getting the treatment he wanted for his injury and it wasn't his choice and he has a contract and just the way it was put and the way he said it, it just looks like such a difficult situation that I don't see him having any more patience for it. And I don't blame him at all. I don't blame any player for wanting out of a situation that's half as bad as that. You know, you have one career and it's very short and your 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 clock is ticking the entire time you're playing and it could be ended at any second. And then you look at what happened in his and it's like, yeah, I definitely don't blame you. That's the thing, though. So you say the Kings are probably the front runner. They, they have the prospects to do it. And I agree with you, but with the neck injury injury that you just discussed also, I think the price has gone substantially down. And I think on top of that stars usually get traded for pennies on the dollar as is, which brings right. me to my next point. I do believe there will be a mini bidding war between the York Rangers and the LA Kings, which will drive the price up higher than it should be for Jack Eichel at this chance. It's who's going to win that bidding war and where, Buffalo wants to send him. Now, the next thing that we haven't accounted for yet with Eichel is this. Yeah, he doesn't have a no-move contract, but he can, as you as you saw today, he can tell the truth. He can tell LA, hey, well, I know you're trading for my rights. I don't want to be there. Do not trade for me. That could happen. He could do it with the Rangers too, but it's been pretty on record that he would like to be in either New York or Boston. 
in that case. So I don't think that'll be the case for, for them. But th- I wouldn't put it past him being like having his agent go say to L.A. like, hey, I wouldn't trade for me. I, yeah. I don't think yeah. we're I don't think that's insane after what we saw today. Tell me if I'm wrong or not. No, I don't think you're wrong. I think that he's someone throughout his his career. He he has expressed his thoughts. He's been, you know, more free to do that than a lot of players. And, you know, in the NHL, it's don't rock the boat. And I'm not saying he's necessarily rocked the boat, but he has said things that a ton of players wouldn't have wouldn't do because it's just not the way it is. You know, unfortunately, Um at this point in his career, he has no reason to pull in, you know, if he doesn't want to go somewhere, of course that should be a thing. And it, for the team too, why would you want a player that doesn't want to play for you? You shouldn't have to sway him. Like, I could see a million reasons why he could look at LA and go, well, I don't want to join a rebuilding team. But I could see a ton of reasons why he go, you know what? I'm interested. There, There's, you know, things I want to do there. And you can go play alongside someone like Anze Kopitar. Like, that's that's not a bad thing. Um the bidding war could easily drive up the price and I could see teams stepping back. But I think this is where it gets interesting too with the Rangers. Given the way things have gone the last week, is Chris Drury in a position to step back in a bidding war or will that lead to more pressure from higher up if he chooses not to, even though it might be for the better of the team to not spend as much as, as a bidding war could be, you know, will he look weak if he steps back and he's a younger general manager and inexperienced? Can he not handle the bidding war? Can he not bring in the big player? And I think there's going to be like all these other storylines and narratives we hear, whether or not they're, you know, factual or not, they should be a part of the conversation. I think that we will hear them too. So it just like adds another ripple into everything. Yeah. That, that is where I think I have the most pushback. Anytime I hear anyone talk to Chris Jury about how, Chris Drury is a guy that wouldn't have taken this job if he wasn't guaranteed autonomy. Chris Drury is a guy that very much is going to want to operate under his own accord. I, 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 it's very nice and very easy to say that stuff one week into someone's administration. But we're talking about Chris Drury because James Dolan fired the most unfireable team president the New York Rangers have ever had in John Davidson. John Davidson's Q rating was 1,006. It, it was a man that we all thought would only walk away from the presidency under his own accord because he just couldn't do it anymore. Never ever did it occur to any of us sitting here. And I don't think anyone following the New York Rangers. Did we think John Davidson was going to leave the Rangers before his contract was up because he was fired. So I, I hear everyone saying that Chris Drury has autonomy. You don't have autonomy when you work for James Dolan. We, <laughs> it's just, it's just that simple. And I, I don't even think that's a hot take to say, all you have to do is look at the Knicks. Like we, I actually is, disagree with you, and I know this is crazy. Yeah, because you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> I, 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 I do. Just, Ryan, I, Ryan make, make, make the argument for him having autonomy. I don't think he can do it. In, in this situation, I think Sather had mostly autonomy throughout his history. I really do. I think he made all those decisions. We've but saw... he had that proven record. Yeah, but that's. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with your point. I'm not. I'm just playing devil's advocate. Right, and you should. You should, but... I really, I kind of believe when, when Brooks says, you know, that Dolan says he, listen, I'm, I'm staying out of this. Drury has the potential to make all these decisions. Yes. The, the motto has been set. We'd like to be a playoff team. But the first thing Chris Drury did when he came out here was like, Hey, he reiterated everything that JD and Gordon said right away. He was like, yeah, I don't know if we'll make the playoffs next year. Certainly the goal. Like that's it. Uh, Ryan, Ryan, Sather had autonomy because Sather was always pedal to the metal going for it. Nether, the the only time Sather took a step back and said we are rebuilding is when he stepped away and this he let true. Jeff let Jeff Gordon 
and immediately uh, you had to rebuild on the fly then immediately yeah sather had full autonomy because sather every offseason his goal was making the playoffs you get under james dolan you get autonomy if your goal is breakneck speed we're going to the playoffs that's how bobby holik gets contracts that's how scott gomez gets contracts that's how chris drury got a contract as a free agent that's how brad richards happens that's how Mark Stahl extensions happen. That's how Dan Girardi extension happens. Yeah, you get autonomy when you're spending and trying to win. That You get that with James Dolan. The Knicks have never tried to rebuild. They only recently tried to rebuild. A long time that the Knicks have struggled, they have been saying that they want to be a playoff team, which is why the Knicks are allowed to do whatever they want to do. Dolan doesn't give you autonomy if you're rebuilding. And he fired the guys that said, we need one more year to rebuild. So you'll have to forgive me. If I don't believe that Chris Drury will have autonomy, unless that autonomy means going for it. Okay. Full speed. I have a thought. I think the thing with it is he doesn't have that proven track record. And I think that is going to play into it a bit. You know, it's not like say there where he had multiple cups and everybody knew who he was. This is a first time, you know, NHL general manager, despite having experience in the Rangers front office. On the other hand, Chris Drury doesn't need to sit around to have someone have their hands all over everything he's doing. And I'm not saying that Dolan won't come in and influence some decisions. I mean, the, the other part of it, too, is that Dolan isn't a hockey guy like he is for basketball. So that is one little wrinkle. But he does have say there and say there obviously knows it. And say there's an advisor to the owner, not to anybody else. But Chris Drury could have any job he wanted right now. Teams have been calling him for years. He doesn't need to sit around for this. And I don't think he's the someone that's going to throw up his hands and quit. But if it was to the point where he wasn't able to do his job, I don't know how much he needs to sit around. Like, I don't know what he would want to do, but I don't know how much he needs to sit around and just take direction from an owner who doesn't know hockey like maybe some others do or any other situation. Like, he's been offered jobs before, and if he, if he leaves the Rangers, it's not like anyone's going to look at him, I would think, and go, oh, he couldn't shake it in the NHL as a GM. They might look at him and go, oh, we know who he was working under. We know that situation, and we can't blame him for it. We're going to go offer him a job. So I think that's the one thing that does work in his favor because he does not need to stand around for this. And if he isn't happy with the situation, he doesn't need to stay in it because there are going to be other teams who want him. But I, I, just, I don't think it's, it's going to be as cut and dry either way. I think there's going to be things that there's going to be pressure on, and that is the playoffs next year. But the thing with it is striving for the playoffs next year was part of the plan from day one. This was, you know, 2021-22 was the season that should have been the first playoff year. If they happen to make it sooner, so be it. That's great. That's wonderful. But that was the year that they should be a playoff team, not a contender, a playoff team. A year later, you want them to start becoming that perennial contender. But it's a stepping stone process. So he does have the edge in that, that if the team makes the playoffs, even if they lose in the first round, that's their goal. They met it, period, the end. They made the playoffs. Dolan made his money on the playoffs. That's what it is. Move on to the next year. I'm with you. The thing for me is this. With Chris Drury, I truly believe that James Dolan sees Sather too. Sees the predecessor to Sather. He's always relied on Sather. James Dolan is always, as you can see through his Knicks history and his career, no matter who the person is, usually it's an advisor that's not that good, to be honest with you, but he trusts one person. Say there is no spring chicken. He's 77 years old. And while he is the Dark Lord and will sit in the background and advise <laughs> James Dolan, he's eventually going to want to sit on a beach in Florida. And when that time comes, James Dolan doesn't trust anyone. Well, the person he does trust now is Chris Drury. That's very clear. He made him president and GM on the first day. 
the first day. So he's setting him up I to do this. Chris Jury knows, like you said, he can go elsewhere if he really wanted to. You don't want to lose the one person you trust, which is why I believe Chris Jury legitimately has full autonomy in this situation. Yes, he's, he, James Dolan wants him to win. But like you said, Shayna, that was always the plan. The plan was always to go to the playoffs next year. Greg and I have been saying this for three years now. That that was always the plan. So, yes, but I, go on. I think, I, I think the big difference, though, is the plan on the Gorton and Davidson were to make complementary moves to this roster's core. I don't, I think that, that to me is the big shift here. Dolan makes the move one, because I think he doesn't want to lose Drury. And it was clear that Drury could have left anytime he wanted for any number of jobs he could have had. And I mean, it's, it's crazy that he didn't want the Penguins job, if you ask me, but that's neither here nor there. I would actually, I kind of get it though. You you walk into Pittsburgh with these wild expectations of what you should be because you're Crosby and Malkin. It doesn't matter that anybody's on the downswing of their career and you're going to have to now find a way to rebuild on the fly because you're going to have these two elite players that you're basing everything around and they've won XYZ years. Like I feel like it's a totally different situation while this, everything from here is progress versus everything from there is downhill if you're not winning. That That is but true. I, I, I do. To me, the, the disconnect is it seemed like Davidson and Gordon had a very clear plan for what they wanted to do this offseason. They were definitely going to add. They were probably going to add along the peripheries a little bit more. And I think Dolan is like, no, fuck this. I, you need, if you're going to add, fucking add. Get real people. Get the big name. Win the offseason. I think Dolan is tired of reading the clickbait articles about other teams that have won the offseason and they're not the New York Rangers. I think Dolan if he could, would put banners up signifying the off-seasons in which his teams were deemed winners. Yeah, it's called Artemi Panarin. I think, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. And Adam Fox. Yeah, he was a winner. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. Kako. But what, what did they do? They, last off-season, their one signing was Jack Johnson, who we all dunked on. <laughs> like, they won but a they, lottery. Yeah, they I, won a lottery. That No credit to Gortner Davidson for winning a lottery. Congratulations, you got lucky. That's, no. that's, the, that's where the whole problem is, though. I'm not sitting here saying Jeff Gordon's a bad general manager, okay? Like, there were things he actually did that were legitimately good, and Ryan Strom's an example of it, and so is Mika Zibanejad. Um, He got lucky on a lot of things, and in a lot of cases where luck wasn't at play, there were a lot of missteps. You know, everybody, like, when I wrote a story on it last week, people were like, oh, you didn't mention the Rick Nash trade. And I'm like, the Rick Nash trade was fine, but if we want to talk about it, we need to talk about it at the time the trade happened. Ryan Lindgren was not this dazzling prospect. He wasn't wasn't. even the Bruins' best prospect. And it took him over a year to become a legitimately good prospect. He was a one-dimensional defenseman who was okay with that because that was his style of play. Everything about that trade, you're like, oh, that's, that's, you can't, you can't litigate it and go, well, Ryan Spooner became Ryan Strom and Ryan Lindgren took it upon himself to get a skating coach and become this outstanding player. None of that was, you know, I'm not saying the Rick Nash deal was bad, but you can't talk about it in, it, it, like hindsight's 2020 so you have to be fair there are a lot of missteps the mcdonough miller one in year one of the rebuild that's a huge one and uh anderson and d'angelo for ronta and Stepan, that's another massive misstep and the way it unfolded you could twist it to whatever narrative you wanted it was bad from day one so there are reasons to look at it and go well jeff gordon didn't do a good enough job when he didn't get lucky and i would say you could make that case it would be fair to make that case. Like, you really could look at it and go, you should have given him a year because he did build a good foundation. You look at what the team's done and blah, blah, blah. For this reason, he should have stayed. But you could look at it the other way and go, 
when he had the chance to make a move, he didn't do a good job of it. And that would also be fair too. Like, I think that's the one thing with the Gorton I, move. JD is a different story. But with I Gorton, will also you really can to, to double down on the Gorton point. Um, I would say if the Rangers were to give him one more year, this would have been the catastrophic year to do it in which the Rangers finally have cap space in a Lance in, in a NHL landscape where more teams will not landscape. be able to landscape. Uh, they, they're, they're really digging. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, it, it's Julian Brisebois out there with a fucking little shovel of his in the garden, trying to find more cap space that magically fucking appears in Tampa Bay and no other place. Um, fucking cheaters that really anyway, gets you that really, it really gets does you. it really pisses me off shana works very smarter, few things harder very few things piss me off more i don't know did you hear shana that they're healthy kucherov and stamkos and they're ready to play kind of weird who would have thought who would have <laughs> thought? hold on hold on kucherov the surgery he had though that's a kick in the ass he had if i remember correctly it was hip surgery right that takes a long time to come back from that and point i get it hip it. surgery kick in the ass well played like that <laughs> thank you thank you i mean <laughs> And the Stamkos injuries, I don't think it was anticipated. And they already said, we'll discuss his injury when the season, like when the season's over, which is meaning he's probably going to be playing hurt and there's something going on here. Yeah, um, that's what they're telling you, Shana. Whatever, you, whatever lies you want to read gotta up. How are you going to sleep at night, Shana? Okay? could have been back this month. Yeah. Hmm. But why would you play? Like, if you can bend the rules. Other teams have done it. They did it with Patrick Kane in Chicago. Look at it. everything Chicago's done. The way they've gotten players to retire and step back and this and that because they dug themselves a hole with their cap. Work smarter. I get it. Shana, I get it. What you're saying is the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to fucking trade for Jack Eichel, let him get his surgery, oh put God. him on long-term IR for the entire year, and then Jack imagine? Eichel's going to appear in the 2022 playoffs. No, imagine the, the Rangers did that. The imagine the Rangers did that. Ryan they won't. They won't. You know why the Rangers won't? Because the Lightning are cheats. I'm telling you. For the playoffs. Shana, the Lightning, they know. They know what Tom Wilson did. And they're the only organization that knows, and they have an agreement with the NHL that they're not going to say as long as they don't have to play by the rules. And that's how you get in this situation. They know the KGB bullshit with Tom Wilson and what Putin has him doing. I'm going down I'm going down a rabbit hole. What I was You're trying to say down earlier. You're going a conspiracy rabbit hole right now. It ain't a conspiracy. It's the goddamn truth. You're uh, digging your way to Tampa with these. My wait, God. Wake, wake up, sheeple. It, I am just spitting facts. Anyway. The point about Jeff Gorton getting one more year is how we started in all this. I think a good argument could be made that if this this year would be catastrophic if you gave Jeff Gorton the one more year and it goes poorly because of how much cap space specifically the Rangers have. When you're on the cusp of opening a window with this much cap space, the guy making the decisions has to be in it for the long haul. I don't think you can just give him one more shot because – Pavel Buchnevich is the perfect example of this, right? The three of us love Pavel Buchnevich. We were, I would, th- I would say, no player had a more surprising season in terms of the complete package that Pavel Buchnevich had this year. We never saw him as a number one penalty killer. We never saw him as a two way forward. That that wasn't on the table when we were evaluating Pavel Buchnevich this time last year. But with Pavel Buchnevich, you have a significant decision to make with him. You're either going to give him a pretty wealthy extension. Or you're going to include him in a trade package to address another hole on that team. And if Jeff Gorton, who I think is a big Buchnevich guy, gives him an extension, the Rangers can't just, in a flat cap world, it's no guarantee that the next year when you bring in someone else, you're going to be able to walk that back. And you look at it. It's like, no, 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 hold on. Do you know what this sounds like? Sounds like Chris Kreider, doesn't it? 
No. Mm-hmm. Well, no, well, it no. does sound like they're It sounds them. like Peter Shirelli signing Miko Koskin into that extension that nobody would have given him and then them firing him one or two weeks later. And now it's Ken Holland's mess with a goaltending tandem of Koskinen. And then he brought back Mike Smith because what were they going to do at that point? And I understand nothing, but they literally could have changed so much of their cap situation and their potential to actually give Connor McDavid support and bring themselves closer to contention, which should be the goal when you have Dry Seidel and McDavid in their prime. They waited until after that Koskinen deal. You couldn't walk it back. Now someone else has to dig that mess out. Right. And that inexplicably in a different scenario, and it's a no fault to Chris Kreider. No one could have seen the pandemic coming when that extension happens. But whoever your next guy is that you want to be your team president for five, six, seven years, he has to be the one that makes the Pavel Buchnevich decision because that decision – is going to decide a lot of what the New York Rangers want to do. Whether it has to be the only decision they make, and not just Pat Buchnevich. The next guy has to make a call on Mika Zibanejad. The next guy has to make a call on just how many years you're giving Adam Fox and how many millions you're giving Adam Fox. There are a lot of significant, foundational, shifting decisions that Jeff Gorton would have had to make this offseason. And the Rangers said, you know what? Fuck it. You're not our guy. The next guy has to make these decisions, and Chris Drury is going to have to wear them, for better or for worse. Yep, that's like it's so spot on. Like these, you want to maximize the years that your players are on entry level contracts, and yeah, it sucks the Rangers couldn't do that, but their trajectory it just wasn't going to happen. You know, for some players, like you couldn't have made it work on Heedle's entry level contract or Lingren's. Like it just didn't work. But you still have players like Kako who have another year. And it makes a huge difference. Like you look at the Winnipeg Jets a couple of years ago before Line A and Connor got their extensions. I think the only one who had a big deal at that point was Ehlers um, of like that forward group, you know, of the younger forwards. And you knew it. There were going to be costs. And one of those costs was Jacob Truba. And, you know, obviously everything unfolded differently because of the Buffalo situation. But you looked at it and were like, maybe this is their best year to contend. And it should be the opening of their window. But because everyone else's costs are rising and you didn't get to make the most of those entry-level contracts, it's going to shoot you in the foot. So that's going to happen too. Like you need to figure out the best way to balance your entry-level deals and your hefty contracts. And yes, some of the contracts that they have are heftier than they should be. You know, Jacob Truvo, you could say is a slight overpayment and you go, well, it's okay. You overpay for good players as long as it's not for bad players, but you know, eventually it all adds up. And while it shouldn't have been a problem and no one anticipated the flat cap, it's the world that you're in. So if you're not confident in that person and you can't live with their decisions, you know, you don't want it that this entire process is for nothing. Then that's the way that you're going to look at it right now. And, you know, agree to disagree, but like, it's a fair point. You know, you look at it, you're like, okay, I get that. It's a defining year next year. You want them to make the playoffs. You want the cap to be as steady as possible. And you want these players to be progressing. Um, The argument to push back on is that they underachieved. Or that I think there was a line I saw somewhere that they weren't trying hard enough a couple weeks ago in games. And those games, you know, were the ones in March. And it was like, hold on, that's not fair. You know, that that's wrong. You can't say it before everyone started getting injured and Boston kept winning and the Islanders were still collecting points. That team was working their ass off for a playoff push and they were overperforming. If anything, it, this season had too many things going on and maybe if they had more time and maybe if, Truba and Lindgren and Kreider didn't get hurt. And there's so many things like what ifs, but you know, the season collapsed and yes, it was more painful than I think most expected the end to come in the way it was, but 
before that point, like, given the circumstances, it, it's it, you can't look at it and go, well, they underachieved as a whole. You could look at it and go, well, they didn't work on their offense enough and their offensive attack still sucks and that should be way better, you know, a year into it. And I'd be like, yeah, I agree. But look at what they did on defense and look what they did on the penalty kill. Like, they're, it, it, you're, you have to dissect it too many ways to just go, well, I think they underachieved. Like, then you weren't realistic about what this team was. Shana, before we let you go, uh, two things. One, there's a giant drum circle outside of my house. Can you guys hear that? No. no. Okay, good. That's nice. I just want to make sure. Second, <laughs> uh, uh, is Quinn the coach uh, at the end of this week? It's really tricky. That's, re- that's really tricky because Chris Drury did have a big hand in hiring Quinn. Same if I'm agent. Chris Drury, just saying. Yeah. If I'm Chris Drury, I don't have an issue giving Quinn another year, but I look at him and I go, you need to pick a new offensive coach. You need to pick it now because we all know Quinn's not the X's and O's guy. And the assistant coaches do play a huge role in the team's look. You can go rough to Martin this year and go, yeah, that was a massive change. It, it just shows how influential it is. And that isn't the case for every head coach, but it is for Quinn. You need to change offensive coaches at minimum. And if they get rid of Quinn, you know, did I think he was a coach of the future? No. Did I think he was going to get fired this year either way? No, because I didn't think there was a way the team could have underperformed unless they completely were, you know, absolute dog shit the entire year and there was no progress to be made. It's really a tough situation. And you look at who's out there and, you know, you know, there's so limited coaches available in this world there's only you know 40 50 people who can be an nhl coach in this day and age right and they must have done it before so um i think at this time knoblong should get a serious look i i think that i agree with you that would be fun and i wouldn't even be opposed if they said knoblong you're gonna come up and run the offense and power play which he did in philly and you know they performed well under him murphy takes over now we are talking shada yeah i love it that's yeah, that's the direction I think I would go for the year. And if it doesn't work, guess what? You have a head coach in Knoblonk right there that you could give a shot and hire another offensive coordinator. But I think the biggest issue is the power play in the offense. There are more holes there than there should be. You have very talented players, and that, is, that strategy Got to play Brendan Lemieux on power play, too. Has to happen. All right, Shannon, we got to go. Yeah. But this has okay. been an absolute pleasure. Any, anything you want to be plugging? Um, I have a story on The Athletic coming this week. Cool. Uh, I want to say on Thursday about the cap situation. And then... I'll have things like scattered throughout on the Rangers and I'm working on something with Sarah on the hurricanes and maybe you'll see some wild stories. I don't really know. Some wild, like wild stories. Fun. All right. We're out of here. Uh, we'll be right back. Bye Shannon. Bye. Hey, we're back. Mega podcast today. Two guests, Larry what? Brooks, Shana Goldman, both what? Greg and Ryan on the show as we always oh are. And we're going to do discord questions from our Patreon and maybe even one five-star question if we're feeling really crazy. Then I'm going to read some names, and then we're getting out of here. All oh, right. my goodness. And I'm going to mispronounce all the names, and I definitely get crap for it, and I'm sorry. I will do something okay, special first, next first, week. first name is Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> I'm not going to ask. I am going to lean into it for a little bit. Okay, you should, because... <laughs> Listen, I think Larry would say something if he knew. He, he was yeah, very – He absolutely would. He was very straightforward with us. I think he mm-hmm. uh, he gave us a lot of answers. I think him not saying – him saying Kako is not untouchable is very scary to me and my brand. Uh, mm-hmm. I am sweating currently thinking about it. I think there were things oh. – what was that? Speaking, well, speaking of your brand, I have a bone to pick with uh, – what's, what's up? Great friend of the podcast, a, a, apparently a guy who listens to this show all the time, Steve Gelbs. You're going to put my fat head oh. <laughs> on SNY, and you're not going to give me the heads up so I could turn my church Did of he Taco know? hat around. Did he know? 
There's no way he knows. Okay. There's no way. All right. But still, what up, gals? let me know. I could get the merch on the TV and I can show it off to the to the entire Met audience. Change that my there profile is a picture before Kaku gets traded, and I'm uh, just I, I'll I'll be off Twitter for a couple weeks if he gets traded, in case everyone's wondering. All right, let's do uh some Discord question. This is from Eric on our Discord. Uh, rank these ridiculous Rangers uh, issues the Rangers had to deal with from craziest to least craziest. Mika COVID, Georgiev and Tony, Panarin Schmier. Uh, Rangers tell the league they should fire the head of Department of Safety. I, I forgot that happened. That's insane. And the Rangers <laughs> fire their GM and president's hour before the last, uh, the third, third of their last game of the season. Hmm. Uh, I think JD and Gorton getting fired is number one. I think because so I never, too. I didn't think that was in the realm of possibility. I think Tony is um, maybe four or five because I could see why someone would want to punch him. <laughs> exactly. I, get it. Uh, I could also see why the Rangers would call out the George Peros and say he's bad at his job because George Peros. I'll is put bad that. In, at I'll put job. that at five, to be honest. So I'll have that at five. I have Tony at four. I have Putin smear campaign at no, two. I have I have Mika as five because a star player getting COVID during a pandemic uh, could have seen that coming. Yeah. That that one that one seemed telegraphed. Okay. That. I, I think to me that's five. I would say Tony is four. I would say, um, I would I would say George Peros is three. I gotta tell you, I didn't expect Russia to have a hit piece on a star <laughs> winger this year. You didn't see it. And the only thing more shocking than that is the fact that John Davidson is no longer an employee of the New York Rangers. I'm with you. Like that, that that to me. What a is, year. I love how Larry crazy was like, that Tom yeah, Wilson you know, not that big of a deal. I was like, what? Yeah, Tom Wilson and Alex Ovechkin leaked the story yeah. to the Russian press mm-hmm. just you... so later in the season Tom Wilson could ragdoll him. Makes you think. And attempt to murder him. All right. Uh, this is from uh, Dano Vikov. Let's go for that. Oh, God. Uh, sure. with, with Ryan Graves being a fifth defenseman in Colorado Avalanche, mm-hmm. would have to protect in their expansion draft. Could you see the Rangers trying to reacquire Graves? And what would you pay for him? He's a good demon D-man that's massive and is on a good contract. Uh, no, I don't think they that, do. That is my answer. I don't think they do, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's, that's admitting straight their up mistakes. my answer. They don't do it. They won't do it. But not, it's not even just admitting a mistake. If the Rangers are, as Larry himself said on this very podcast wow. that we recorded mere minutes ago, if the Rangers add a defenseman, it's going to be a significant defenseman. I don't think as good as Ryan Graves is and as much as people like Ryan Graves' game, I don't think he qualifies as that significant defensive addition yeah he doesn't and he doesn't. i yeah I, I think it's fair to wonder if you know graves is able to do all this stuff or if he's just very fortunate with the people he plays with look the colorado avalanche did a fantastic job building that blue line this year where adam graves is a fifth defenseman on that team and he's probably not that for other teams but no if the rangers go shopping for a defenseman i think they're shopping in a in a different aisle i, I don't think i don't think graves is that guy i think you'd you'd be much better off trying to find your own version of graves than paying the price it would take to get this version of Graves. Couldn't agree more. This is from Vinny Hay. Do the firings make any previous negotiations with Buffalo or any other teams meaningless? No, because Chris Drury was likely involved and privy to them. So say, for example, you're a sales manager and the person above you gets fired. You inherit their accounts and know exactly what has happened and transpired with them before to try and form a new relationship. They might be hindered, but they're not meaningless. I, I, I'll go one step further. I think this means that every every team sees what the Rangers did and they call the Rangers back and they go, oh shit, you were serious? <laughs> and they try, they, they rekindle the negotiations with Jury because right. if the Rangers were asking for ridiculous players before and the team's like, ah, no, you're just, you're just saying things to be crazy. And then Dolan does something crazy and the other team's like, oh, goddamn. Uh, 
Okay, so here we go. All right, this is actually happening. I, I, I think, if anything, it kind of sort of helps the Rangers. Vinny also me. asked, is the summer of anything possible still on? It's never been more alive. Uh, yeah, it, if anything, you it, if you were excited before, you should be a little bit terrified right now. Just like maybe pee your pants just a little bit. Yeah. Not a lot, not noticeable, but like a little bit. Yes. Do you think, uh, this is from David, do you think there's a slight shift from for will is greater than skill increases Smith coming back because as his number one fan, I would like this. I think if they, I think they will seriously consider bringing Smith back and depending on the as money a seventh, as, a, as seventh a seventh defenseman. defenseman. Yes. Yeah. And he, um, he so much said to today, if I don't get top four minutes, that's fine. I want to be back as a Ranger. I will consider it. That's good. He might not get top six minutes if he comes back to the New York Rangers. But if someone gets no, injured, again, he'll play exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, Brandon Smith, if he wants to be a New York Ranger, needs to be comfortable with the fact that in an 82 game season, he might only play 40 games. And if he does play those 40 games, they're going to be in sheltered minutes because someone else got hurt or removed from the lineup for reasons that uh, we haven't thought of. And if he's and, cool with that and he's cool with making under $2 million, yeah. I think he'll be a Ranger. There you go. Yeah, and I think to Larry's point on today's show, it's not just that the Rangers are going to – the Rangers are going to look for an exceptionally talented hockey player that's also a bit of a piece of shit to play against. Yep. They're, like, I – I think we need to get out of our head that the Rangers are going to go out there and trade for Ryan Reeves. They might, they might, maybe, do that. but that's not the guy they're going to target for these top six minutes. They're going to want an exceptionally talented hockey player who is also a piece of shit. And I, I don't mean piece of shit. Like as a human, Yeah, being. they mean like someone that's an egg. It's just when you see the guy across the ice from you, you go, Oh my God, again, like this yeah, guy, Matthew, could, Ma- Matthew could <laughs> is, is essentially <laughs> what it is. Oh, I'm God. just right. I'm just. I just want to say that I said it before it happened. That's all I'm. That's you've all done I'm doing. this before, and it's worked out well. I know. I know. It, all we I'm also, saying is, we also Tampa, had the podcast that confirmed our Tampa Panarin would come to the Rangers a year early. So, yeah, there you go. All, all I'm, all I'm saying, seven million dollars next year, RFA after that. The Flames are a bit poor currently. All I'm saying, Ryan, is I am just saying. Last question on the Discord questions of the week. If you want to leave a question, you can go on our Patreon, go to our Discord. There's a five-star questions uh, literal tab. You can ask the questions there. This is from Chris from Florida, who sent me a nice a couple Cockle card, which I'm looking at dearly, thinking about how he could trade it after what Larry yeah, said. Yeah, he, he sent me six Met yearbooks. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, since Dolan wants to win and win yesterday, essentially, do you see the Rangers being the one to offer sheet someone this offseason? Uh, as as Brooks kind of said already, no. Yeah, no. Yeah. Should they be? Yes. yes. Because, again, the, the thing that just drives me mad is everyone's like, well, I don't want to give up. It's going to be hard to give up these four assets in order to get this one player. Well, okay. How about you give up four assets that are just literal mystery boxes? I understand it's a hard pill to swallow to give a four straight first-round picks, but the Rangers also have the assets to go out and then recoup some of those first-round picks back if they so choose. Like, to me, an offer sheet makes the most sense because you want to know the scenario in which you don't have to trade Lafreniere, Fox, Lindgren, Kako, Kravtsov, Buchnevich, Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, Jacob Truba. You want to know how you can keep all those pieces while also adding a piece of significance? Offer sheet. But we'll never see it. That The league doesn't want it. The league's afraid of it. The league has made the rules so difficult to do it that it discourages teams from doing it. We'll never see it. And it pisses me off to no end. And did you know that this podcast is sponsored by our Patreon subscribers? Our Our, what? our amazing Patreon subscribers such as Amber, Ben, I'm doing first names. Amber, Ben, Brian, Broadway, Broadway Bullshitter, CJ, David, David, oh, two Davids, David, David Nan, Nan, Nanarin, 
Siegel, Dennis Deitz. I did all the, I'm doing last names now. Eric Stock, George Britsky, JD, Jimmy Mack, Christopher Florida, who we just talked about, Kyle Franklin. Le, le, ready for this one? Lejek Gron, Gronowski. Nice. Nailed it. All right. Cool. Uh, that's uh, Pavel. Ryan. Not me. Just just Ryan. Steven Lomayer. Stig, Stig Buhl. Uh, Swingart, Tommy O'Neill, the legendary toy from Manhattan, Vinny Hay and Will Spector. Cannot thank you enough. I will do something fancy and fun at the end of these podcasts one day. It's just been a hell of a week, and you understand, I'm sure. Uh, final five-star question. I think this is good to, uh, good to go out on. I just lost the tab because, of course, I did. Here it is. Uh, this is from Long, Wing King, Long Live the King 30. Hey, guys, you left the athletic just in time for the Tom Wilson incident. This is more a mm. comment than a question. I just got fired up hearing Greg talk about the Tom Wilson incident. My blood is boiling right now, and I want to thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> he, he, can, he can get fucked. That, that's really all I'm going to say. There you go. I, however he wants. It's his life. He can choose. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, no, he, 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 can get, he can get fucked, and I hope it's unpleasant for him. Yep, in a not nice way. There we he, go. He, he, play, he plays like a man that <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's the end of the podcast. Um, I want to thank Shayna, and I want to thank Larry. And uh, I want to thank everyone for supporting us. Oh, yeah, I said us. that on a show where Larry Brooks appeared. That makes sense. <laughs> I can't. I don't know, man. What do we, what do, we do with you? Um, you bleep, bleep that one out, and if people ask in the Discord what I actually said, I'll be more than happy to tell them. Sounds good. Deal. Uh, all right. There you go. That, that'll push people to the Patreon. You want to know what Greg said in that bleeped out section? Give me $5 a month, I'll tell you. No problem. That's crazy. All right. Uh, thanks, Shana. Thanks to Larry Brooks. Cannot appreciate everyone else for supporting us. We were the number seven podcast on the top 10 iTunes charts all week. That's never happened before. Usually we slide up and down. We stayed at seven. That's ridiculous. We moved up to seven on the all time chart too. That's insanity. Thank you so much for the support. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Could not be here without you. The discord has been insane, has been popping off every single day. We'll be back with OT on our Patreon later this week. Who knows what we'll do. It'll be something fun. Love you guys. Follow me on Twitter at Orion Mead. Follow Greg at Blue Break. Bye-bye.